from their secret lair on the back lot of an abandoned theme park in the heart of the New York of the South. They spring into action whenever an unwanted opinion is needed. This is Two Dudes on a Backlot. Now, here's your hosts, R.L. Sutton and Harvey. We are Two Dudes on a Backlot. My man, R.L. Sutton. That's me. I'm Harvey. We got something to say, but no one asked. This is the second part of our Back to the Future two-part episode. First episode, we talked about how we would go about redoing and rebooting Back to the Future our way. So uh, if you haven't caught that episode, go back, listen to it. It's real fun. You could, you know, agree, disagree. Let us know in the comments. Make sure to follow and subscribe to Dudes and a Backlot. Please tell all your friends. This episode, we're going to talk about Back to the Future, but more than Back to the Future, we're going to really go in-depth on the trouble with remakes. RL, what you got for me? So here's the thing with remakes. You're always going to have audience expectations, especially in the time frame that we we live in, where you're having shows so close together. Used to when you did a remake, it maybe a 20, 30, 40-year-old show. Now we've got remakes of shows that are within a, a decade or two or, of each other. You had three Spider-Mans almost on top of each other. Because you have content coming out so quickly and so memorable in the minds of some of the viewing audience that there's going to be a comparison. You're going to have your favorite scenes, whether it be, as we used, Back to the Future or the other Alien movie or... Star Trek was the one that comes to mind where you're you're like, okay, this is what happened in the original Star Trek if you're a classic fan, and now they're doing it this way. So those are one of the biggest problems you have. So you're having those things, actually something just, another one. Right now, Little Mermaid is in theaters, and though it's a remake of the animated feature, there are people going into Little Mermaid going, okay, so this was my favorite scene there. How did they do it in this live action? This is my favorite scene there, over there. How this song they did this way, that they did this way. So, unless you remake it shot for shot, you now have a question of you got a comparison. Is it always better? How many remakes do you see that have you can you think of Harvey that was better than the original? Well, off the top of my head, I, I can't come up with... Okay, I didn't see the original, but the first one for us, for our generation, is a pretty good movie, which would be, which would be Ocean's Eleven. The original was done with uh, Frank Sinatra. I'm pretty sure being in the era of when Frank Sinatra was popular as an actor, not so much as a singer, but as an actor, um, I, would, I would bet to guess that his version is probably a lot slower because of just how you know, the storytelling and the pacing of movies were in the 60s versus in the 90s or 2000s when the first Ocean Eleven came out. So I would say that was probably a pretty good reboot. And it was, like you said, so far away from the original that people that probably were fans of the original probably were not going to watch the version that we saw with Brad Pitt and George Clooney. Or to them, it's a whole new different movie. Um, I find it so 
odd in this day and age where you have the businessman, the money gru money grubbing businessman that wants the sure thing. That's why we're getting all these remakes in television shows and in movies and even in you're starting to see it in comic books and in animation. In this day and age where they want the sure thing, it's like you said, a huge risk to redo a movie like you beautifully stated with the Spider-Mans, one on top of another, one on top of another, one on top of another, where you could now when a new Spider-Man comes out with um, the British kid, I forgot his name, our, our, our most current Spider-Man, you get to see a, a, a cool little marathon on TV of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans into the Andrew Garfield Spider-Mans into the current Spider-Mans. That's how close they are that you could still all, you could see a nice little marathon for free if you just can suffer through the commercials or fast forward through the commercials before you go see the most current one in the movie theaters. It's it's a huge risk to take and I don't understand why they keep doing it. Why do they keep insulting the audience and thinking that because it's this known identity, it's this known IP that people are going to flock to it. Like you said, you need to let these original versions kind of like just let people forget about them for a while and then maybe try. But this all started with Michael J. Fox's comment about, hey, guys, you want to redo Back to the Future? Cool. I'm fine with what I did and I'm proud of it. And I totally agree with Mr. Fox. But there's just some movies like that that. What, do you really want to remake that? There's there's some movies, some IP should not be touched. I'm sorry. Some IP shouldn't even be touched. You know, it's like, leave it alone. It's a masterpiece. I can't wait because it's bound to happen. Somebody wanting to do, redo The Godfather, known as a modern cinematic masterpiece. Some Dunkoff is going to want to redo it. When you mentioned Spider-Man, and I think Godfather was based on a novel as well, that's another challenge that you have that's called an adaption in that people are looking for it to be like the book or they're, or in the case of Spider-Man, they're looking for stories out of the comics that they want to see made. And it's, and as a fan of so many things, I wanted to see, I want to see that adapted first and then we can change it up, but let me see it done right first. The one that came to mind while we were talking that was an adaption where I won't say it was better, but it was equally as good as good, equally as good was the Planet of the Apes, because you don't have that shock scene in the original, like the original one back in the 60s, where it's like, oh, we're on Earth. They blew it up. You you maniacs. They just said, you know what? We yeah. can't top that. So we're not going to. And we'll overlook the, uh, the one that came out in the late 90s early 2000s i oh the, t the tim yes. burton the tim the, burton the, version some of the acting was good the the makeup was excellent but i still don't understand what he was trying to go for there so they just simply said okay we're going to take this idea and we're going to give you a potential way we got there and then we're going to see the fallout of what happened after afterwards but i don't even it, they're their same concept they're both based on the idea that something happens in 
primates merge and they t end up taking over the world. But generally, when you do a remake, it's not as nearly successful as the original. The fans are like, you just messed it up. Good examples. Things in Star Trek, there's so many changes that the classic fans are like, what is this? This is uh, you, you have people who are like, Star Trek died in 2000. In 2005 with the end of Enterprise and they will not watch any of the J.J. Abrams material but yeah we're it's it's an interesting thing that they're they're you're there's just those memorable moments there's moments whether you're a child that you're looking for or you're you're just you know you're sitting there and you're like they did this so much better over here why didn't they do this and adaptions have the same problems. Your your fan base is looking for it to be equally as good. You get it, and it does happen. Most of the seasons of Game of Thrones is as good if as the book, but not always. So, what else you got for me? Well, you you, you read my mind because I wanted to kind of talk about Game Game of Thrones a little bit. Do you see that happening with Game of Thrones? Because it seems like, okay, they redeemed themselves with this prequel series. And it's way before, you know, the Jon Snow series. Will it get to the point where, okay, now they want to start drawing blood blood from a stone and they start trying to adapt all of these stories? And they, it, do they go the Marvel route where they just kind of ruin their own franchise? Do you think they learn from their mistake and continue down the path of House of the Dragon? What do you see happen? I know that they're planning to do more House of the Dragon. I know that they got a couple other of Martin's books in development. Here's the problem with... Here's what I see happening with Game of Thrones. At some point, Mr. George R.R. R. Martin will no longer be with us. It's just it's going to happen. It's inevitable. It happens to everybody. It'll happen to him. I think... And yeah, it's not like we're wishing ill will on him, but he's... An older gentleman that loves junk food and doesn't exercise. It, it, so, it, he's not a young yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah. No matter how you cut it. I mean, yeah, he could live as long as Stan Lee. Yeah, he's not a young guy and he doesn't yeah. really he doesn't take yeah, care he, of himself either. Yeah. He's a big he's a big older guy. I think guy. that at some point and I, I I'm the first one to say, if he suddenly drops this next one, I think it's a something winter winds of winter. I'm the I'm gonna be there late night, ready to buy the book. I ain't gonna lie to nobody here. I will be that one of those nerds out there going, just just give it here. Well, it costs. I, I didn't ask it. Just give it to me. Take my shut up and take my money. Um, but I think that when he does, de if he does depart before that that lottery moment that I just described happens, that we will magically find out he had two, uh, one or if not two manuscripts that he just hadn't put out that will in honor of Mr. Martin B. published and uh, we'll get some kind of ending. Is it really going to be his work? I'll just deny and say no, no. He he finished it. He just he just wasn't ready. He's an, an artist. He just didn't feel like it was ready. But um, yeah, I'm sure that, that somehow they'll finish the series in his honor. Um, as the TV series goes, I honestly think that we will get through um, House of the Dragon, you'll get the five seasons or whatever they promised. And I feel like the industry is going to be in a new place. We're talking about it could be a decade down the road. So I don't see them necessarily redoing it in our lifetime because, because I feel like that 
the it's inevitable that the industry will change or people will be tired of remakes and re of remakes of remakes and they'll find something else that will tickle their fancy for a while and then maybe come back in 50 years to redo game of thrones because it will be it'll be a distant memory like i love lucy is to us so i was like oh that that was a thing at the time it was the hottest thing in the world but now it's 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 a footnote in uh on Google, so I could be wrong. I think what I see happening with the George R. R. Martin situation is he'll pass, and then he'll turn into like so many other things. When a big celebrity passes, it's going to be a big battle for who's going to be the head of his estate and who's in the will and who's not in the will, and that's going to be a couple of years before that all gets settled. So sadly, I see his fans kind of being left in limbo unless somebody is smart which I haven't seen that yet where we have like some up and coming writers that are huge fans and um, uh, whatchamacallit inspired by his works and they find a way to be able to adapt it and finish it that's the way you would do it in the good old fashioned days of, of the 80s you would just find somebody to finish it but it doesn't seem like we have the people or or the people that are getting the opportunity to finish these projects do not have that ability to to write or the people that can write are not given the opportunity to write. So Going down that chain that's what I with see you happening. for a moment, the dilemma that you have with that is it's still a question. It's not George R. R. Martin's vision. We saw what that is in the final season of Game of Thrones. So for fandom, that's not going to be good enough because it's still not his. I can see, do I, am I basically impl implying that I can see the completely correct somebody ghostwriting it, taking his notes and ghostwriting it and putting it out there with his name on it? Absolutely, because there's so much money to be made. And as a fan of, to date my, to, to, go, to go way back to one of the original OGs, Robert E. Howard, the Conan writer, his father sold the rights to his stuff and other people took off with it, but his stuff is still in print and getting reprinted. So people want to read those authors' work. They want to read whether it's his la. They can they will sit there and though if it's a treatment, they would want to read the treatment he had in mind and will read it five or six times and just kind of envision because it's still he's the original author of this work. And fans are just we're, we're just like that. If you're if you're not great, but a lot of fans are like, no, I want to read the show it to me. I don't. He misspelled this sixty times. I don't care. Just give it here. Let me see what he had in mind, because it will. No matter who who takes the Westeros world and runs with it, you're still going to be compared. It's going to happen. And someone's and the same. What we're talking about remakes. It's always going to be be like that. Someone's going to say what's the original like it happens with the comic book adaptions you as a comic book fan somebody who read read the comics i had conversation i have conversations with marvel fans about oh well they did it this way yeah but they did it this way originally and this was better and that was better and you're missing out on this and that and so there's always going to be that fandom especially with something like game of thrones who is going to want to read the original works and would rather read his unfinished novel than his best best baits 
version. Well, I, this is what I would do. Uh, great. Let, let me see what George had in mind. Yes, I can see spinoffs coming down the road, just like aforementioned Conan, but there's still going to be people who want to see what how the original artist envisioned it. See, but RL, you're not asking the right question. The question isn't, are they going to continue? Of course they're going to continue. The question is, can does someone have the, like Mick Foley would say as Mankind, the testicular fortitude to continue it? Will they have the the chops to continue it? And that's, I'm going to straight up say, from my cynical point of view, I don't see, I haven't seen any any people in Hollywood right now that would have the ability just to finish the story. Because what we have gotten is, is, is a bunch of incompetent, you know, sci-fi and fantasy in the last decade so you know that will they continue of course they can they will continue it like you said it you have to will they do it justice i don't think so that's my question do you think somebody is there someone out there and if there is will that person be given the opportunity to if they're not in the good graces of the hollywood illuminati or whoever's <laughs> in charge these days you're a different show there harvey different show you know it's a different show harvey different show Yes, there. I'm sure there is because Todd McFarlane's renowned for drawing Spider-Man, and he was probably the one thousandth artist to ever work on it. There's, there is going to be somebody who's got the talent that will be considered the heir to the throne down the road. Unfortunately, just like uh, people who are fans of the uh, Lord of the Rings series, I, I never watched Lord of the Rings. I recently picked up the books and haven't got to re- got to reading them yet. But I know that they did a spin prequel series, I think it's called. I, I don't watch it, so I can't speak and speak as a knowledgeable with knowledge of what that series. It looks terrible. I've it looks so I've terrible. heard some it looks so unwatchable. I've heard some people I had one guy defend it and say it was better than House of the Dragons and I just had to ignore him. But I have all most of the people I've heard feel that it is a car wreck on fire rolling down Mount St. Helen. So it sounds like it's pretty bad. But, but, when I think of writing pen and or computer screens, I think there's, pro- there's probably some gifted writer who could come along and take the reign from, and take Rose to the next generation or Lord of the um, Game of Thrones or... Yeah, because we've seen it before. We saw it with Timothy Zahn with the first series of Star Wars books in the early 90s. It's like... We've done this, guys. We can do this. We can do this. But it seems like Hollywood does not want to do that because they just want the shirt. I'm thing. going to tell, well, it's if you're a Star Trek fan, it's a secret. Some of the best, the, the Star Trek episodes or movies that defined Star Trek for fans were not all from Mr. Gene Roddenberry. Some of the best episodes were people from outside of the fandom who just came in and said, did a different take. It doesn't always work that way. In these cases, it did. So, yes, there's going to be somebody who's like, let's try this. And fans are like, that's Star Trek. So somebody who will call it a true believer in the idea of what you're presenting. There's somebody who could come along, maybe that this individual's would be in grade school at right now who's going to read a game of thrones book and be like this is something else and be at the right time writing novels versus hollywood are, are a little bit different machines there so yes there are some fans who who can 
put something there and could run with his work. I'm mainly thinking that there's still going to be people who want to read his original writings is where I'm coming from. That goes without saying. I just think, sadly, he's he himself has gotten him. He's got so distracted because he instead of just focusing and finishing at least that first series of books, which Game of Thrones was based on, he started doing these side books like the Duncan Egg and, you know, House of the Dragon and all these other books that, okay, great. You guys got a, a, a decent show out of a House of the Dragon. Cool. Still, no one was asking for that. Nobody was asking for those prequels. We wanted to see the end of how is this Jon Snow Daenerys thing going to end? And we didn't get that ending with the show. So being that he's allowed himself to, and it's like, dude, you know how you are. And you know your writing style. So now you can't do an accelerated or a Cliff Notes version of Game of Thrones because he's very, he really gets into the minutia of storytelling and every little detail. And he, he, he draws a phenomenal picture when it comes to his writing. You know that that takes time. Just finish the damn books that we want to see, that we want to read. And I think people, even people that caught on with Game of Thrones via the TV show, I think they would be totally satisfied if the, even with this crap ending that we got, but if he gave them like a solid ending with the book, he would win those people back. He would win those fans back. But I, like you said, just, you know, going on the law of averages, I don't see I that think happening. The, the problem you have with Game of Thrones is it's the same problem you had with the Star Wars prequels. The expectations, because he's waited so long get higher every year and you just get a exactly you get a bigger and bigger audience Excellent going point. what do you got what do you got what do you got and so in turn you now it's just you're he's sitting there in front of it like this ain't good enough or this or like man i just you know that hbo check rolls in and he's like you know this is money now i've already got that money and so I think that the, you really run into that problem of. So you, do you, do you think he's psyched himself out? He's kind of mind effed himself. Probably. Like you said, yeah, the money keeps coming in. Or do you think he's I like, think like you said, the expectation is so huge. I now. think it's, it's like, a little bit of both. No, I think the more that you put it off, you now are. I mean, you've gotten paid. You're 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 making more money out of HBO, but you're also sitting there and you're sitting at that screen going, "I dream of summer." How, how am I going to plant this? They already screwed up what I had in mind on the show. Do I change it? Do I do it? Am I? And then HBO goes, hey, we well, got some more of those prequel shows for you. Well, actually, yeah, I do. That's a, the money money now. And it's just, I think he just, he's he doesn't know how to stick the ending. And you you just don't know where to go. You, you're, you're, he's stuck. Because it, whatever he's going to do will not meet fan expectations. As we saw with the prequels. Okay, if you're you are you are R L R R Martin. <laughs> how do you how do you how do you end this? Um, how would you end this? You're a writer. Not not so much the story of Game of Thrones, but how do you go about the process? What would be the process? Okay, we're gonna have to retitle this episode, I think. The process is that if you're gonna go Game of Thrones, you make Jon Snow's character meaningful. If you really want to give the fans something to chew on, make the the um, 
the night what was his night king ice king or yeah they were actually uh, in the book yeah, called the, the others walkers? the white walkers. walkers was it white walkers, walkers? okay you walkers, you make that walkers. guy significant their leader significant the others as it was called in the book you make him significant you make Jon snow significant maybe Jon snow takes him out and then what you um what you do is you have danny's sacrifice be meaningful as well maybe she's the one who takes it out but you give all those you you pay off those endings and don't turn her into a villain me and somebody at work was on about that recently even the whole um the whole um cersei have have jamie come up and he's the one who kills cersei for mm-hmm. the you know he's like i i, I someone's got to do it and so he, he takes her out Maybe you leave you leave Tyrion on the uh, on the throne, but you, what you do, don't do is you don't do and how it is. You don't turn Daddy and Danny into a villain. You don't have everything just come crashing down, and then suddenly the 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 one guy he's like I came, you know, the Bram the Broken suddenly is king. Yeah, you don't have him just okay. So now Brand I'm somebody. Here, yeah. You know, this is why I came here because they never paid all that magic and stuff off. But um, yeah, you have Jon Snow in them. Maybe they, there's one final battle. Even have the battle at Westeros, and kind of go a different route. But what they did is they had characters. Uh, Jamie's character completely turned around for no reason. Danny went all genocidal for no reason. The only thing you had is the Hound of the Mountain had a fairly decent go at it at the end. But you wrapped it up so quickly that fans were just disappointed. Yeah, exactly. You had this huge build. That's some of the problems is fan expectations. And going with a remake is there's always the fan expectations. There's always, and what I gave was a great example of that, there's always what the fans are looking for. And what I mean by expectations is when I'm watching a remake, I'm looking for those greatest hits. I'm looking for you to do better than what I saw before and you either have to stick the landing or you have to make it so unique that it sets apart from what i saw and you have planet of the apes is a good example of we took the idea and we did it differently in such a way that we gave you something fresh and you can still love the original and you can still love what we have because we're showing you two different things a TV series called um, Battlestar Galactica was popular in the 2000s based on a 1970 show. Glenn Larson, Ronald D. Moore, a guy who did Star Trek, went and did reimagined that series. But he did it in such a way that they're both equally valuable. They're mm-hmm. just two different ways. It's that whole idea of when you remake something, we've seen so many times that, that people have remade something and it can be the same experience like love if you got two people writing a song about being in love and they can have this exact same almost identical experiences going down love and they fall in love at the same similar places and they go through all the have all the same life changing experiences but they're two different beautiful stories just told two different things but they're the same experience when you do a remake when you do it well it's the same story planet of the apes is about apes taking over the original was the same idea. In fact, both of them are based on a short story. But they did them excellently, and you can appreciate them both. Same thing with Bowser Electra. When you do a remake, fans want to see something that wows them, that pays respect to the original material. And if you do it really well, 
it's something that they can say, you know what, I love both of these and these are both great. And that should be the goal if you have the testicular fortitude <laughs> to remake any sort of story. But uh, RL, my man, I love you. That We couldn't have stated that so beautiful. We are two dudes on a back lot, my man, RL Sutton. That's me. I'm Harvey. Make sure to uh, follow us, subscribe, and tell all your friends about your favorite podcast, which is Two Dudes on a Back Lot. Have a good night, everybody. Now, as our intrepid duo return to their lives as pizza delivery man and dollar theater usher, we must remember the lessons we learned today. Join us again, same backlot time, same backlot channel.